steroid on Big E. What you said? What was his name again? Big E. You know. I'm not, I'm not calling him that, dude. I refuse. You're, you're going to just call him E. You don't have to call him. I will not. I will not. Just call him E. Just call him E. Just call him E. No. Just no. Me. It's, no. God damn it. Just me. I will not do it. Motherfucker, you will. I will not do you it. Hear, you hear? Did he hear? Did he hear all that? Sorry. What's his real name? <laughs> I'm not going to fucking call someone by their braver name. I'm not going to do it. Hey, what's up, guys? Mm-hmm. We were just having an argument on why Chad was going to or not going to call you E, and I still haven't doxed your name, so I'm proud of myself. Yeah, you can just call me he's E, like, that's cool. He's good, yeah. Yeah, so I told him, I was like, you know, I had to call you Big E, you just call him fucking E, and he's like, I won't. I was like, yeah, that's no different than a fucking e trick, calling me. <laughs> well, I see you got, you've had some really good guests. You had uh, Tom Whitmer on there. It looks like you had Ross on there. I'm kind of surprised you haven't gotten more views, so uh, you're not marketing yourselves well enough because people should listen to those interviews from what I could tell. Yeah. I don't care. You know, we're not really good at that <laughs> last part. We'll have Ross on again tomorrow, and uh, hopefully. I invited him, and he sent me a thumbs up uh, with some blushing cheeks and a smiley emoji for what this was. I thought that so was Bledsoe. No, no. Bledsoe sent me a, a message as well, but that's a whole different story. What do you think of Bledsoe? Do you think that's there's something to that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, super nice guy. Uh I think originally what he described was most likely very real. I think the uh, I've seen pictures on his cell phone that he showed me when I was in San Francisco of these orbs that had uh, faces in them right off his cell phone. Showed me a whole bunch of them. You know, he had at uh, that time at the conference he had people around him that he said, "Oh, I got the NSA over here and and the uh, you know the two or three different intelligence agencies that were kind of with him. I don't know if they were handling him or or." or protecting him, or what the deal was, but... Observing him, probably. Uh, I'm, my concern would be is if he's smart enough to possibly, or not smart enough to be manipulated into believing certain things that uh, or interpret things in such a way that maybe that's not exactly what he, what's really happening. Maybe it's something else, but he believes it to be... But I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying that's possible. I, yeah. I don't think anybody's beyond being manipulated. I don't think we could rule out that something else might be going on that Bledsoe's uh, sharing could lead to some sort of future event that could be manipulated. It almost seems that this aspect of it, this whole quasi-religious aspect of it, is like automated, if that makes any sense. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of real intelligence behind it. Hey, I was uh, thinking last night, do you, do you think maybe this is... Uh a program that once people read these words, maybe it activates that hitchhiker effect and more people open their eyes to the phenomenon? Oh, that's a stretch. It could be, but I would... (laughs) E. Yeah. How would you make a Tic Tac fly? Let's put it this way. I I believe this. I don't have evidence to prove it, but through conversations that I've had, I believe that we have... When I say we, I'm talking about United States... uh, engineering technology, advanced propulsion that would be considered, uh, you know, black, top secret, that's not in any kind of article or any kind of briefing that any of us have had. But I think that we have these uh, drone-type or even plane-type vehicles. That I mean, I've seen dro- these drones that look exactly like planes. I've got a picture of one. I don't think every object we see in the sky that we did not make, the United States or any other government, uh, is necessarily contains aliens. I think a lot of these objects that show up could be like uh, probing devices, or they're just observation devices, or they're they're sent here to kind of just scan things and whatnot. And then when 
when the real aliens uh, come, they're, they're coming in a whole other kind of vehicle, not a Tic Tac. That's my opinion. Right. Right. You think it is they're automated. There's a lot about the phenomenon that seems automated. Even even its its relationship to human consciousness, you know, in a large part, it seems automated. And I I wonder how much of that has to do with you know rumors of the Black Knight satellite. Is that thing somehow affecting consciousness? I mean, that's again, that's a leap, you know. But we're dealing with something that may have an intelligence that's far more evolved than our own. So I think leaps are things that we need to be taking. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced there's some other sentient, conscious, living entity out there that that's not human like we are that has technology and that's way more advanced than us. But, however, I think that uh, we here on Earth have developed technology and, and propulsion systems that are starting – we're starting to get like we can almost be in the game. We probably wouldn't win the game or we wouldn't even be do very well in the game but I think that we're starting to be able to play in the game, at least with our own technology. Um, and that's where things are going to get kind of, uh, kind of murky is that, you know, sometimes people in the future, even right now, I think people might see things in the sky and think, Oh my God, that was a UFO. There's aliens. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> but, but maybe it's not, I mean, maybe it's just our technology, but that does not mean that there aren't aliens out there at the same time, but they can, they can very easily convince us, whatever they want to convince us that they can convince us, Oh, it's aliens, but then it's our, our own technology, human made technology, or they could say, Oh, it's, it's not aliens. It's human technology. So they could fuck with us. They could tell us whatever they want to tell us. And we don't know. We can't prove any of it. Yeah. I only know yeah. there's shit up there. And I don't know what the fuck it is. That's all I know. So yeah, it's, it's maddening to me that, that we're not getting the answers we deserve. And when I say deserve, I mean deserve. I mean, it's, I think we have a right to know. It, it's not a privilege to know the truth. I believe that it's our right. You tell the Catholic Church that, huh? I know this for a fact, that there's people that are involved in intelligence. I'm not going to name any agencies, but I'm just going to call it uh, intelligence, that uh, flat out don't believe we have a right to know. And they, And that person, for example, explains to me why that is. And if you look at it from their perspective, if they have technology and it's designed for offense or defense of our country, for example, um, then their, th- their thinking is that we don't have a right to know because they're doing a job to protect us and our country. So, in that, you know, so what, what, why do we – I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Why, why do we have a right to know? Why should we need to know? I mean, I know what I know based on my own personal experiences. I've seen these things in the sky close up in the day and at night that I'm totally convinced were not made by anybody on earth. So I'm already convinced of it. I don't need to be convinced. Maybe other people need to be convinced, but I don't know. We're never going to get the facts about that. I don't think there's ever going to be real disclosure. We're always going to wonder that. And that's just how it's going to be. That's my opinion. Yeah. um, I, I mean, Aside from legal reasons, which clearly say that that it's our right to know, truth in and of itself is a complex force which um, behaves in a weird way when it's contained under pressure. How How do I say this? If you try and lie to somebody, it's like gaslighting somebody. It's never a good thing. It creates kind of like mutations in people's emotional states. If you carry that over to a large group of people and do what the government is doing to us, I think that it creates uh, like detrimental effects on the populace. And I don't think that those detrimental effects are being shared, and I think that they're known by now. I mean, 
it's nothing good. They're not protecting us from anything. They're 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 just being secretive for the sake of being secretive. I believe. Okay, so let me run this by. Let's just say that uh, there was information that people high up uh, had that, that. So they had to. It was their decision to disinform, misinform, or deceive people. Now you can't you can't do uh, selective uh, disinformation dissemination. For example. If people involved want to put out misinformation, uh, I don't believe personally that they're targeting U.S. citizens. We in the United States, for example, we, we want to know certain things, but if we want to maintain, uh, and I'm not trying to side with the bad guys. No, there's a no-win situation for them. Their job is to protect us, and I'm not justifying lying. I'm not justifying deception, but if that's what they feel they need to do to protect us, then I personally i am okay with that because if I want to know the truth personally, I, I feel like I have enough resourcefulness and intelligence and ability to go out and find the truth. So then I've satisfied my own curiosity. I think everybody has that ability to go out and find whatever the truth is and then share it with whoever they want, on their friends, on a podcast, whatever. So the truth is out there. Well, see, now I believe yeah. that the very structure of our government prohibits any kind of healthy collection of data because there's no uh, – it's, it's not homogenous. You know, they can't – it's like a, a game of, of telephone. You have different uh, administrations running the information in different ways. Uh, there's very little cohesion. So, you know, in essence, I understand what you're saying, and I would agree with it, uh, like the same way that I would agree that a book about a utopian future is really pretty. You know what I mean? But in, in yeah. actual, actual factual reality, it's not, you know, because there's, there's too many factors that prohibit that utopia from becoming realized in any meaningful way. Yeah, our, our reality is obviously being very manipulated. And anyway, I, I believe in that documentary. You could find it on YouTube. Everything's a rich man's trick. But, but if we want to understand the game and why we're being manipulated, we can kind of rise above that and, and live our lives how we choose to live it without being in, inundated with fear porn and bullshit. Yeah, the, the big problem with America is uh, commercialism is taking the fuck over. Everybody thinks they got to have the next best, the next best. Fuck it. Be happy with what the fuck you got. Live life. I mean, okay, now I want to tell you something else, uh, Chad, about, about, uh, about this is what I've learned uh, even recently is, for example, uh, you, you could take – I'll just name four agencies just as an example. You could take the FBI. You could take the DIA. You could take – Air Force Intelligence, you can take the NSA, for example, and you can have some massive, uh, you know, government uh, facility, whatever, a base, whatever you want to call it, and you could put all these people, uh, not, not the entire NSA, not the entire Air Force, but just an office, for example, that would have either two, three, four, five, six people, whatever. So let's just pretend that there's a, there's a location in the United States where you've got multiple agencies with people that have their own offices on the land, and each office has, let's say, two guys, for example. And these guys are briefed into these special access programs. So let's just say two guys at the DIA are briefed into a specific program that involves UFOs and, and aliens, for example. Now, the, the, you know, however many people work at the DIA, the 98, 99% of them will have no idea about what these two guys know that also work for the DIA who have been briefed into a special program that, that work at an office amongst other agencies. So the way they've compartmentalized this is you've got just a very 
small select few people that are briefed into these programs that are sworn to secrecy, that, that will not talk about it, that, 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 that have the, these brainstorming sessions when an event occurs or when a situation arises that they need to kind of brainstorm together, but, they, but only they can talk about it amongst themselves. Now, once they discuss it amongst themselves, that information then gets a report is made, and then it goes up the chain. It goes up the chain. It could go to the Air Force. It could go to the DIA. It could go to the FBI. It could go to uh, Naval Intelligence, go to the CIA, or depending on the event, it could go to all of them. It just depends on who has a need to know. And so that's how it's working. That's the structure. Uh, that is actually really what the structure is designed, and that's how it's being implemented right now. I would say in that case that there's a very real chance, nay, even a probability, that those secrets, that information, could be compartmentalized beyond retrieval, beyond retrieval by, by the American public. I, I think that you can hide something oh, absolutely. so well. Totally beyond retrieval. Absolutely right. beyond retrieval. So then what's the point of even doing it in the first place? At that point, you're just wasting taxpayer money. What's the point of doing what specifically? What do you mean? Of collecting and collating data related to the phenomenon. Well, they've got to. They've got to know what's going on. They've got to understand. I mean, uh, there, apparently there's a, a document that was retrieved through a FOIA that uh, Rick Doty has a, a hold of that says that there's they've recognized five. Uh, well, this was at, during his era. I don't know now exactly what they've recognized, but there's five distinct groups of, of aliens that are not all affiliated with one another, you know. So, so they're they're they, from what I understand, they know where these people are from, they know their intent, most some good, some bad. They're monitoring them. There might I don't know if there's communication with these people at this time. There there was at one time. I don't know if it's still happening. So they've got to maintain. It's almost like a relationship that like a foreign ambassador where you'd send an American over to another country and they've got an embassy. And so they're like foreign ambassadors where they've got to somehow maintain relationships and whether it's South Africa or Iran or wherever. And so it's the same sort of thing with these selected individuals who are read into these programs where whatever's happening in the world of you know, the, cosmo the cosmic world of UFOs and aliens, uh, they've got to be able to communicate what it is they're learning or what comes up or what, whatever is happening. It needs to be monitored. It needs to be fed up the chain. And then, they, and then if there's some sort of a threat, for example, that, they that the high-ups perceive as a threat, then they've got to develop a plan of how they're going to deal with the threat. So, yeah, I think there's constantly things happening. Uh, and they're, now with the new technology that they have, the, the satellites that they have up in the, up in the atmosphere that are over 270 miles up in the atmosphere that are classified satellites are collecting data that uh, would blow your mind that, you know, you'll never see. You'll never see. So, but trust me, trust me, they know way, way more than they tell us. I can promise you, promise you that. Yeah, and that's that's my that's my issue is is that is that there's no civilian oversight, which is like the no, the, no. The, the the form and function of the American system. There has to be civilian oversight, and in this case, yeah. it seems as if there isn't. And so, with no civilian oversight, it there. I mean, it's very possible that this information, as wide and far-reaching as it is, and as important as it is to, to technology and to the future of our species, there's it's not even being seen by any civilians it's just being used no. by the government as a an excuse and you know as to protect us and i don't or it's just some giant disinformation scheme you know either way like 
it's bad. Well, yeah, it's not ideal. What they tell us, uh, what we believe to be our rights and so on and so forth and the Constitution and the freedom of this and the freedom of that and all that stuff, I mean, sure, that was the, maybe that was the initial intent, and we're holding on to that. You know, we're holding on to these rights, but if you, you know, go back and look at uh, the Patriot Act and various other things that have been signed since 9-11, you'll see that a lot of those rights have been kind of uh, put in suspension. I mean, the government now could come in and claim, okay, uh, national security and, and just basically saying, okay, well, this is a national security issue. I mean, they could come and take your property from you, and, that's, and legally they have a right to do that. And they so have. We only have the rights that they allow us to think we have, but when it comes right down to it, we don't really have all the rights that we think we have. It's kind of an illusion, in my opinion. It is, and that's scary to me. That's really, really scary to me. And it's also scary – well, it's not scary, but it's, it's informative to me that, that how situations like this, as complex and as real or unreal as they may be, they kind of give us a new perspective on the government that we do have, that we know is real. It's very informative. Yeah, I mean uh... – it's certainly interesting to talk about. It's a lot better than watching the fucking Kardashians or CNN or Fox all day, right? <laughs> Fuck the Kardashians. It's a distraction. Yeah. There's an intentional distraction going on to, to kind of dumb us down, to keep us preoccupied, because, you know, I believe there's the leading guys that are out there uh, reporting the news or make, make anywhere from 15 to $20 million a year to just report the stories they're told to report. That's it. That's how it works. We, if you want to know all the news, you've got to dig. You have to dig. Well, journalism is dead. I mean, they, they, they made yeah. it to where – what was that law that they repealed that allowed the, the, the press to report on anything in a non-biased way or in, in a biased way? They, they allowed bias back into journalism. It was something that – was it Bush did? I can't remember. Um, oh, God. I don't remember. Yeah, probably this thing's been a shit show since about Bush, but it was shit before that too. So. Madness. Well, dude. Bush, Bush, Bush was a key factor. Daddy Bush, no doubt. I mean, that's like a no-brainer right there. Yeah, and yeah, I know I... a lot of people. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, love Obama, and I'm not. I, I'm not saying I love or hate Obama. I'm just saying that uh, he is definitely what I would call an intelligence president. He was, in my opinion, yes. he was groomed for that role, and he. And even and so he got his two terms, and a lot of shit went down, uh, you know. And now, and now, it's, uh, it's my opinion that uh, that if Biden has any kind of uh, try to, any kind of important decisions to make, I guarantee you he's picking up the bat phone, and and Mr. Obama is consulting him. That I don't think Biden is actually running the country to the level that people might perceive him to be. I think he's got a lot of people above him that are actually pulling the strings, and he's just the puppet that we have in place right now. No yeah. offense to Mr. Biden, by the way. No offense to Mr. Biden. Yeah. It's something, something's got to be done. We're, we're, the, the American system has just been so watered down by this intelligence factor. It's, it's, you know, I don't understand it. It's so arcane and complex. It's like it's a hundred times more meddlesome than alchemy ever was. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's this force at play that most people aren't even aware exists. And it's there. It's 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 active in our lives on a day to day basis, and it's watching us. And it's elements of our government. It's scary. Well, are you scared, or tell me what you're scared about? Seriously, I mean, let me ask you a few questions. What what, right. what are you afraid of? Seriously, I'm afraid that my television is watching me because it is. I'm afraid okay. that my cell phone is actively 
storing metadata from every conversation that I have, from every interview that I give, from every interview that I that I plan for my it looks okay. at my calendars and it stores all of this information and we know that this is happening or it yes, was I agree. you know it, and like that's it's something that people don't talk about because it's so uncomfortable to think about and it's so easy to say well they're doing it for our defense they're doing it to protect us and that's well and good until they don't until they aren't yeah. I agree. You know, I, you're right. I mean, you're right. There's, there is always the potential where the information and data they're collecting on us uh, could be used against us. That's all. I mean, that is kind of a that would be a conspiracy theory for sure. But it's the possibility exists. But see, I, I'm older. I just my thinking is at this point is, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to fear what I can't control. Now I have a decision to make. If I want to be, if I want to be uh, worried about it. Then I, you know, I don't have I don't have a TV or I don't have a, you know, a camera. I don't have a plugged in the wall. I don't have a smart TV. I don't have a smartphone. Um, I don't, you know, I, I use a burner phone. Whatever. I'm just saying, there's always ways around it. Where if you somebody really, and then you, whether you want to like have a radio show or a talk show and you want to interview people and talk about this, I mean, as soon as you start bringing people on like Ross and. Uh, and Thomas Whitmore and, and uh, probably some of the things that I've said in this interview, well, if it gets out there, some people are going to go, who the hell is this guy? Uh, please don't tell him. But the point is, is uh, yeah, you, you will get, I mean, you, you, everybody gets on a list. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but the, the point is, is once you start talking about things, uh, you know, they may not be watching every word that you say or every sentence that you type on your, on your tweet. But uh, if you get too many followers, and you and you be start to become an influencer, then you exactly. will be watched more closely. That's right. how it works. So, so you guys are under the radar right now, which is actually a good thing. I mean, oh, like no. to not have a lot I don't of people better. All, than... <laughs> I don't know about all that. I told you about the uh, Chinook flyover and Chris Mellon viewing my LinkedIn profile at the same time. So, <laughs> well, you're different. Could have been, uh, could have been a total co- could have been a total coincidence, but I don't know. <laughs> Well, you might be watched you, probably more closely <laughs> because of your experiences, bro. Yeah, you know, yeah. You live next to a nuclear power plant. That's scary, bro. Yeah. Um. So I, 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 I'll, I'll edit this out. But you sent me a, a, a file, um, on Twitter that I've kept a lid on. Um. Can I talk about that right now? And, and if and if and if the conversation well, tell me what it's about first, so I because I don't remember what I sent you. Just give me an it idea. Was the, what uh, it was the it was the curated and verified crash retrieval document. Yeah. Well, verified. That's a. <laughs> you could talk about it. Um. To, to say it's verified, I don't know that it's. For example, uh, some of those on there, I was told, are accurate. I was also told that some of those are that the person that would maybe know about it said that they were not aware of that or they had not heard of some of those. So it's possible they're all accurate. It's possible that just some of them are accurate. So, yeah, if you want to talk about it, but I don't have any evidence to say that any of it's true. I I can tell you that I believe that there are crashes. I believe there's a lot more crashes than we've been told about. But we can talk about it. I'm not afraid because it's not my document. I didn't, pr- you know, I didn't print it out and send it out to people. It's not my right. uh, it's, my deal. And we don't have to talk about whose it is or how you got it. But like I, I, you know, I think that crash retrievals are like it's like a trading card game. You know, like I, I check little ticks off on a box whenever I get new information, and I say, well, that makes it a little bit more believable. That makes it a little less believable. 
And people trade these with each other. You know, oh, have you heard about this one? Have you heard about that one? I've got a curated list right now that goes to 120 different uh, crashes and crash retrievals by uh, governments around the world. And to get something like this from somebody where even if, if the source says, you know, they haven't heard about it, the ones that they have heard about and, and they, they have verified at least to, to an extent, that's exciting to me. It's like um, – yeah, it is you know. exciting. I totally agree. I get fucking fired up about it too. I mean, but you know, I'll t- I'll talk about, I'll talk to you about a couple of them. I'll tell if you want. I'll tell you about three of them that I believe in. Please. Okay, so hey, I do let believe. Me, let me in, let me. Can I interject real quick? I had a walrus yes. say to tell you you were a piece of shit, Sensei, and that was directed at you. A walrus told me to tell you that message. Oh, you have both Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, track it's me up. Oh, I, love, I like that guy's interview, though, man. I fucking yeah. a lot of energy. It's fun. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I, I believe that, okay, so you guys know that the, the crash in 1947 didn't actually happen in Roswell. It was right nearby Roswell. And then later they discovered uh, another crash that had occurred that was not recovered immediately. So, we, so the, the, those were those two, right? that I believe actually happened. That I, I believe that, totally believe that. Okay, so then we let's fast forward to 1953. You had the Kingman uh, landing and the Kingman crash. I believe there might have been two crashes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe that also. So if you want to just, I'll put my name, that, and as far as my own personal research, I believe in both those, those crashes. Now, there's another one that's not talked about that I was told about that, uh, that happened in Nevada near a mine. Uh, I think, I can't remember if it was King Mine or something. I forget the name of it. It might be on that list you got right there. If you look, I think it was 1960-something. Uh, anyway, um, so what apparently happened was the 1962, particular... 1962, Holloman, 1964, Fort Riley, 1966, Northwest Arizona, uh, 66... Um... No, this would be the 60s, 60s in, the, in Nevada. Okay. I think it was 67 or something like that, or 65, I can't recall. Okay, yeah, keep going. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Anyway, so yeah, so the deal is, is uh, from what I was told, there was a crash of a large, very large object that was not man-made, that the propulsion system on this object uh, was, I'm not saying, I'm not going to say it was nuclear, but it had the same effects as a nuclear type of device would have, whereby the radiation that uh, came off this crash uh, killed some of the, um, at that time they had the, the miners out there in a mine that were doing mining, and when they came out and, and observed this, apparently they died. So people died as a result of the radiation that was emitting from this, uh, this crash. So eventually uh, when they figured out, you know, the, the, the DART team, the crash retrieval team got out there, um, they realized through their technology that this thing was emitting this uh, this type of radiation. So they were trying to figure out what they how they couldn't uh, pick it up and take it to Wright Patterson or or Kirtland Air Force Base or Area 51 or wherever the fuck they take these things. They they couldn't actually take this thing because of what was emitting from it. It was too dangerous. So they they finally decided that uh, what they were gonna, they, what the only thing that they could do with it is to bury it. So what they did is they took an extremely large amount of dynamite and so on and so forth, and they blasted a 
massive hole in in the desert, way out in the middle of nowhere, right nearby where this craft was. And they and then they dug it out very very deep. Uh, I'm told somewhere in the neighborhood of a half a mile or whatever. Could have been more. I don't know exactly. And then they buried this thing. They literally buried this craft in the earth and covered it up. And it's still there to this day. And to this day, you can't even still go out there because they've got all these warning signs with fences around, you know, protected area, do not enter, you know, that, that, whole, that whole thing. And if, if anybody were to go out there and try to just sneak in, uh, there's a good chance that the radiation that's still out there might potentially cause harm. Uh, so that's not an that's not an event that I would go out and research personally, but I believe that story is true also. That's that's creepy, man. That's so creepy. The 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 it, it, I'm like I'm looking at this list now as you're speaking, and, and it starts in. I think that the modern UFO wave. I guess they say it it happened with Kenneth Arnold. I, I understand why that's the beginning of the modern UFO wave, but like. There's also like the 1986. I'm sorry, the the 1865 Great Airships uh, encounter, the uh, seven, 1878 Denison, Texas Daylight UFO. Really, it would be the 1897 Aurora crash, wouldn't it? Though that would be the, the yeah, that would be yeah. That was the most famous and the, the most you know going back in that late 1800s. That would be the one that everybody's kind of talked about. Have you heard anything about that? Oh, yeah, I've heard lots of stories about that. I, I heard that they found a, an alien and it was buried out there. And then I also heard that they threw a lot of the uh, materials down in a well. And the guy that lived on the property out there later, uh, as a result of the uh, the, tech, the uh, poison from the water and whatnot, developed all these, you know, horrific cancerous bumps on his hands and whatnot. Did you ever see those pictures? No, What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done the yeah, yeah. So there was definitely something. What it was, I couldn't tell you, but it, it leads me to think that it was non-human because I don't know what kind of technology we had in 1897 that would emit the toxic, whatever that would cause people that that lived there that would have all these you know horrific growths and cancerous growths on their body. You know, also if you fast forwarding to the era when they built used to do the westerns out there in Nevada with John Wayne and all that, they used to film westerns out there and if if you look at all the people that were working on those films back and they were doing these uh, film shoots out there in areas where they had done a lot of nuclear bombs and testing there was they, they just it was just this was way back in the day where they didn't really know the effects of it or that 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 the nuclear uh, uh after effects were still emitting uh, even years and years after the fact so uh, a lot of the people that were worked on these movie sets they died of of, of cancer and whatnot, including John Wayne and others that uh, died young, and and they they kind of did the the rabbit hole into that, thinking that that it could have been as a result of the fact that these people were out there in still a nuclear infested environment and didn't even realize it. So right. anyway, that's I, that's kind of interesting too. You know, it's funny they they I was reading this article about how the 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 secret of the Manhattan Project was almost found out by Kodak. Uh, because people in Nevada were taking pictures, and they all had this weird defect on the on the film, and they couldn't they couldn't figure out why. And until they they started researching, and apparently it's because of the radiation tests, it was affecting the sensitivity of that of that you know very very sensitive film in such a way that whenever people were developing their pictures, these um, these bizarre 
kind of artifacts were being left behind, and they had to brief in Kodak once they uh, once they discovered the the secret. Isn't that wild? Yeah, there's there's so many things that uh, when you take all that information and all the, I mean, you just pile it all together and you start to look at all. I mean, it's very obvious that uh, you know. <laughs> that there's so much going on that the people just don't stop to you know, think about it. They've got a life to live. They've got a job to do. They've got a family to raise. They don't really have time to worry about these things or they don't have the desire to worry about it. I mean, some people would prefer to just keep their head in the sand and, and not know this stuff. And, you know, I wonder sometimes what's the, maybe that's not so bad. I mean, you know, to, to not know everything or to not understand all this, is that really such a bad thing? I mean, maybe, maybe those people are happier. Maybe they're, they don't worry. They don't have as much uh, stress in their life because they just kind of going through the motions. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an advantage to that. But then once you're kind of exposed to the information or you actually have an experience or two or three or more, uh, you, you, don't, you can't turn the page back. You, you're, you're in it. Now you're in it. You you can't yeah. pretend not to know. You can't, yeah. you know. Yeah. Then now once you're in it, you got a decision to make. You you just try to ignore it and pretend that you know it's it's there, but I don't want to know. Or you try to figure it out. You want to know. You want to know the truth. You you want to know really what what really really is going on. And then the more you learn about what really really is going on, it's not good news in my opinion. No. You know what I'm saying? No, it's not good news. <laughs> yeah, I started because I was I had a sense of wonder. Um, about the whole thing, and then I I I ended up in this place where I, I now have like a morbid fascination with with the history of it, and you know morbidity aside, like it's well, it is. That's all it is. It's a it's a really morbid history. I mean, the, the stuff that that if, if all of this is real, hell, if five percent of it is real. I mean, we've got a, we've got some problems as a species. Rob and I share so many links a day, but like some of the stuff that we've been sharing recently is is concerning, and it comes from physics journals. Um, for instance, just recently, they um, they just did a, a, a an experiment which drew energy um, using entanglement through the vacuum of space, which is magic. I mean, that's all it is. It's magic. Um, and they just posted this this paper online. They found out what dark energy is. No one's talking about this yeah. stuff. They say they they just came out with a proof that shows that dark energy is um, uh, born from uh, collisions between black holes. The the you, the you know why nobody's talking about this stuff because this solves uh, the world's energy problem and destroys the markets in the process. So. Well, it also validates what what ufologists have been saying for decades now. Mm. Well, got, also, I don't know this, uh, Eric Davis has a paper out. Uh, he wrote this a long time ago. I believe it's about 88 pages on teleportation. And uh, and he's got all the math and all the equations and whatnot really? in there. And, yeah, a friend of mine read it who's very knowledgeable about this. And he said that most of it's correct. There's, a, there's some few formulas in there that are the math is wrong. And so my belief is, and his belief is, that when they release these kind of papers, um, they're kind of it's kind of a form of disclosure. But yeah. they intentionally, whoever the person is that, that yeah, like like Doty, for example, he's got a, a book, a manuscript, like 671 pages. 
but uh, he can't release it because uh, there's the intelligence will only allow him to release about 250 pages of it because there's information in this uh, this manuscript that he wrote that they don't want the people to know about yet. So he's got to play ball with them because otherwise you know, he's going to get in trouble. So the same thing with with uh, this document by Eric Davis. So so here's here's the deal. So maybe they put this out there with and they screw up the math on purpose. So that if some other uh, country, Russia, China, whoever, get, you know damn well they got a hold of it. They're they're scanning the internet just like everybody else. They've got their researchers, that just, you know, and spies and so on. So then they they try to. They, it could be that they put this uh, information out to to throw people off the track, or to give them bad uh, bad. Like I, I noticed lately, uh, Eric Weinstein is kind of bitching and complaining because he's not kind of read into all this and he wants to know and he feels like he's entitled to know because he's a smart dude and he understands a lot of stuff. But uh, he kind of pushes back against Hal Putoff and others. But he just doesn't have all the information, and I think that fucks up his ego a little bit. But but whatever, you know, people people are who they are. I mean, you know, if he if he wants to learn and he wants to share, that's great. But if but it, I, I also notice that some of these people, like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and some of these other clowns, uh, they they get information and then they they are intentionally using it to to misinform or or decide, deceive people uh, through deception and whatnot just to kind of throw people off. And my guess would be these people are getting a paycheck from somebody to do that. Even Mick West is another example of a guy who who's intelligent that can make some good points, but also makes a lot of bullshit points. But uh, people people that are kind of na- naive and aren't really totally abreast of all the facts. They tend to think that he's adding value to the community. I personally don't think he's adding value. I think he's just he's just creating more murk and more more bullshit for people to sift through. I wanted to shift gears kind of for the end of this, and I I, I also right. there's there's another piece of information I read, and it's from the same journal Physics, and they said that 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 they were examining the mathematics of faster than light travel. And they found that once you exceeded that threshold by even the tiniest amount, the dimensionality of reality um, folds over and reverses. So instead of um, three dimensions of space and one dimension of time, once you exceed the threshold of faster than light speed, your reality becomes three dimensions of time and one dimension of space. And I'm wondering if human beings in some future time um, find a way to uh, exceed that threshold and suddenly have a reality that is three dimensions of time and one dimension of space, um, wouldn't that maybe account for some of the the more bizarre aspects of the phenomenon and why it seems to be... Um, uh, you know, central to this planet and this species and this time. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a, you know, that's I think that is the mystery that they're still studying. That that's the part of the equation that they haven't totally figured out yet. That's an aspect that uh, even the top uh, brilliant people in the world, you know, whether it's Eric Davis or Gary Nolan or Hal Putoff or Jack Sarfati. I mean, those are the uh, you know. There's, there's maybe more out there that I don't know about, but those are the ones I do know about. I think even as they analyze things like that, they, they can only theorize. It's, they can, you can only kind of use your best guess based on math and physics and, and all that sort of stuff. But I believe currently the way modern humans are currently constructed living on this planet, 
that we, our bodies are not designed to experience all those things that you just said. However, I believe in the past, through, through whether it was hybridization technology or whatever, there were more advanced civilizations that had those abilities that we don't currently have in our physical bodies. And I believe in the future, through technology, artificial intelligence, and so on and so forth, that there'll be a type of human that will be able to experience those things you just mentioned and survive them. I don't, you know what I'm saying? So we're limited in what we can survive in our current bodies. That's interesting. I, the, the hybridization idea is interesting. Um, I'm convinced a thousandfold that there's an element of super natural, super real, uh, you know, truth to all of this. What that truth is and who exactly has experienced it uh, or is a part of it, again, because the information is, you know, compartmentalized, I, you know, they, they come out and share with us, but we don't know. We, I mean, we can do individual vetting, but like you're, you're all I have to, to like go by is my gut. And you're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All, when I look at someone faith. and I say, they're not a sociopath and I believe them because I know people. Then the only question becomes, well, how well does Chad know people? You know, it's, 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 it's about faith too. I mean, at some point you, you know, people, I remember talking to my dad about, you know, what, what he was telling me about, uh, you know, the Trinity and God and Jesus and the Holy ghost. And he was explaining all that to me. And I, I said, so how can we verify this and how can we prove this? He says, well, some things you can't verify or prove. You just have to have faith. Well, how, how do I get faith? You know, when you get older, uh, faith kind of turns into discernment. So my current level of discernment would be that, in my opinion, there are more people telling stories about aliens and UFOs and, and this, that, and the other that are either lying, making it up, or doing it for personal gain or deception, whatever, then there are actual real experiencers. However, uh, even if there was only 10% of them telling the truth, and let's just say there's a whole nother 3,000 or more people that we've never even heard from, that never have even spoken publicly, that we've never even heard their story because they right. don't want to be in the, in the limelight. They don't want to be ridiculed. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be bothered by it. So, so I, I'm a believer. There's, uh, I have faith. I'm at that point where I have faith in certain people. I have faith in the phenomenon. I, don't have, I can't provide you with rock-solid, triple-A proof, verification. Nobody can. If you think about it, nobody can. We all just have our opinions based on what we believe and what our research is, who we know, who we talk to, the, the, the mass amount of information that we gather and we try to go through and verify and confirm. That's the best we could do. I think Ross does a great job of it. Um, he's, uh, even though I don't really follow him real closely, when I do listen to him, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with that guy. He's doing, he's doing good work for as far as I can tell. There's others out there, but he's right now, he's one of the guys that seems to be the most aggressive. He's got the right personality too. I mean, he's got, he's very professional. He's got a good looking man, got a great smile. He's got that, his, his accent. Uh, he knows, he knows how to ask the right questions. He's very polite. I mean, he's, he's great I at it. I, I think, I wouldn't leave my wife alone in the room with him for long. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, she would immediately reevaluate the relationship, dude. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's on the verge anyway. What aliens started existing? So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I like to listen to George Knapp when he's talking about specific cases that I can get behind. I right. don't 
I don't dislike Jeremy Corbell, but I really have a hard time listening to him for very long because to me he's more he might have some information probably that's that's good information, but I also think he's the kind of guy that if he was given information that was deception that he, that he wouldn't really be too concerned as long as he's he's in the good old boys club and he's getting paid. Yeah. I don't know that his integrity is on the highest level, and he he likes to drop a lot of f bombs, and he's just he's kind of one of these like Tom DeLonge on steroid kind of guys. They're a little too a little too spicy for me. I mean, they're I don't I tend to like guys that are more conservative. So here's what's cool about these, like even Area 51, for example. There's areas that uh, you can get very close to Area 51. Uh, you can go and park and be there. You can, I mean, you're not on the base, obviously. You're outside the base, but there's there's these little hills and mountains that you, you can't see into the base. You can get uh, almost parallel to the top of the mountain range, but not quite. But if you get in these areas, you could, you could see things that are happening, whether they're aliens or technology, I couldn't tell you for certain. But the same applies for some of these other bases where I went and did some research and found that uh, where, where I believe there might be some secret projects that are possibly being an experimentation going on where I, I've already found BLM land, where I could get to the BLM land and legally be there on the land without any breaking any laws and just observe. So we'll see uh, how that goes. That might the be of my land, little, uh, The Bureau of Land Management for all these listeners I'm wondering. And not yeah, exactly. I was hoping, E, um, as far as what Rob was saying earlier, your your source, while we may not be able to speak with him, I didn't, I didn't think that that would be possible. Is there any way that you could ask him the next time that you're around him what what and this is all totally off the record. This is just for my own personal kind of understanding of the world. Um, what, what's the deal with Project Dove? And are are there any kind of um, you know, there was the supposed disinformation campaign that was uh, set up to you know confuse the public? Um, are there any kind of insights that 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 your source could give us um, okay, regarding? Okay, I'll look into that. Can you? Can you send me a, a Twitter link when you get done with this? You can just sure. find it and send it to me. I can. Sure, yeah. I might have already looked at it. I just don't recall the dub part. That's possible, but uh, but there's certainly disinformation projects. There's no doubt about it. So I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'd have to read it over, and then if I can't figure it out, I'll, I'll hand it over to my friend and see what he says. It's just so it's just yeah. so complex, and I want I want insight. If you believe currently that we're that we're not only being visited, that these whatever these people are, these things, these entities, these whether they're coming uh, ultra terrestrials from another dimension, or they're physically coming from from the, another star system, or they're physically here on Earth, living in the ground or wherever in the waters, whatever. I mean, if you believe all that, then that's that's step one. Obviously, you got that covered. Then the next step is: Are they interacting with humans and? And so if you, if you think they're interacting with humans, uh, which I believe they are, then, then really where the answers are going to come from people that you could find that are actually experiencing this. Mm, and so if you're going to sure. – those are the people you want to talk to, the actual experiencers. And, yeah, and yeah. then, it's, you, you know, you'll, you'll be able to figure out uh, who's, who might be just kind of trying to get a few minutes of 15 minutes of fame or maybe somebody that's not writing a book here if it is an ultra terrestrial source then how what that doesn't explain the the crashes exactly that's why i think i think we are i think let's put it this way a little bit of all of it is probably true i mean yeah when if i told you 10 stories and they each had three parts well there might be a part in each of the 10 stories that are true but then there'd be other parts that are just made up 
but I believe that there's a little bit of truth in everything. That like I do believe there's physical. I don't know how these objects get here and and become physical, or if they arrive here physical. But if they're crashing into the ground and they're physical, and then something. So so those. I, I, how can those be ultra-terrestrial? I don't even understand how that would happen. I don't know the physics on how that would happen. Exactly. If it's even possible. You know, who knows? Maybe is that magic? Or are these things coming from Zeta Reticuli and they're not coming through time and space, they're coming, they're warping time and space, they're, they're folding it and they're coming in a whole other manner that, that's not like, our, like we would imagine would take us 38 light years like, you know, to travel according to our physics. These guys have figured out a whole other way. Or maybe, the or way maybe after they reach that threshold, like it says in the paper, of that, uh, of that uh, extra, uh, you know, once they reach that, that threshold of beyond faster than light, you know, travel um maybe that that transformation from from the reality reversal has an effect that we don't understand you know maybe absolutely that... and and how about this maybe some of these things are not even actually traveling they're literally just popping through yeah like they're on the edge of one tunneling. dimension they're tunneling and they just come through a little wormhole black hole tunnel whatever the fuck you want to call it and here they are boom just like a light switch Pop in, pop out, just like that. So they're not even really, like, traveling, like, at some ridiculous high rate of speed that's just completely unimaginable to. I mean, that's, I don't see why that can't be possible also. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's just so many explanations and yeah. so many theories. And I'm so happy that people are – I get turned off when people say, well, that sounds, you know, you know like, complex, you know, or that sounds crazy. But, you know, if it's, if it's grounded in some sort of science – and if it's or experience or some some sort of scientific, you know, concrete foundation, I think that any kind of far reaching is is not only acceptable but but should be appreciated. You know, it it, it shows initiative. Yeah, I mean, it's science is kind of like well, <laughs> like for example, you know, uh, trust the science when when COVID came and you know get get the get the jab, you know, just trust the science, right? So that whatever the science was, was that real science or was that their version of science? So now it's like, okay, well, a lot of these leading guys that are trying to figure it out are using modern science to kind of analyze this stuff. Well, then you got the other guys who are thinking outside the box that like Hal Putoff and Eric Davis and others, uh, they're, they're, like, they're talking about a whole different kind of science that's not really recognized as the official science. This is a new science. And so a lot of these guys that are still in the official science mode are not adept at understanding what this new thinking is, this new science. So then that's where the conflict of interest comes in or, or, the, or the debate. Um, so, you know, it's just there's always another way to figure things out. And some of these guys that are really brilliant are, are these are the guys like you don't see Hal Putoff in Twitter spaces. You don't see uh, Eric Davis in Twitter spaces. You don't see these guys running around doing two-hour interviews. Right, uh, it's just very rare that you hear from these guys uh, because they're under oversight. Their their information is of the highest level, being protected by the highest levels of government intelligence. Because opinion, most of the guys we're going to hear from are the guys that haven't figured it out yet. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and I, I'd like to have a part two sometime soon. Um, this is not going to take very long to edit because, gentlemen, I think we did a really good job here. Of, of so cool. Yeah, Rob, what do you think? It's great. I'm so happy we fucking did this. All right. Well, I gotta go, y'all. I'm gonna edit this really quick. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Thank you. The trains roll by my porch. Down here where nothing can live. And I've been smoking too much.